Hi, Rav Judy here with the beginning of our study of the second parak of Pirkei Avot. The study of our parak is dedicated towards the Slut of Rafur Shlema, for Tova Miriam Bat Devora Mindel, and for Kalman Yitzchak Ben Sarabluma. The Mishnah begins. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe said, Rebbe is Rebbe Yehuda HaNasi. We owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to Rebbe Yehuda HaNasi. Really, the entire Jewish people does. Uh, Rebbe is the author, really, actually more so redactor, of the work that we call the Mishnah, that we are studying. Rebbe is the son of Roshim ben Gamliel II, who was the author of the prior Mishnah. The last several Mishnahot have been running through the family line of the Nesim. And among other things, Rebbe really saved Torah I mean, he saved the oral Torah. The reason he wrote down the Mishnah, which had been intended to remain an oral tradition, and, and there are losses and things that happen when you turn an oral tradition into a written tradition, and he was well aware of that, but he thought very carefully, the risk of losing the tradition in its entirety, the fact that a an oral tradition is stronger and better able to be flexible and to be applied and to make sure that students understand what they're talking about and not to get stuck and ossified in a particular phraseology and then have people misunderstand. Really, the best way to explain complex behaviors and concepts is for sure in oral tradition. But Rebbe looked at the time and said the, the weakness of an oral tradition is that even one bit of information is lost from a generation, it'll be lost forever. And so he took the bold move of redacting the Mishnah, based primarily on Rebbe Mayer's notes and Rebbe Kiva's lectures. Longer discussion for another time, but Rebbe really saved Torah Shabbat. Now, I'm not a huge uh, grave visitor. I, I do some. There are some people who love to go visit every kever of every tzaddik. I, I like a few of them. I will share with you that Rebbe's kever is incredibly worthwhile to visit. It's up in Beit Sha'arim in the north. Um, there are statements in Chazal that talk about a yeshiva on Rebbe's kever, and you say, how can you have a yeshiva on somebody's grave? It's Actually, it's a cliffside in Beit Sharim. It's a beautiful national park. It's a cliffside. Up on top, there are some ancient benches. They used to sit and learn over this cliff into which was dug a cave. And in the cave, there are parallel spots for Rebbe, for Rebetzin, for Rebetzin Yehuda Nasi, as well as for his sons. And you see the name, Shimon. The family has a lot of Shimons and Gamliels in it. You see the names carved into the wall. It is an extraordinary kever and one to visit of, of a person who really saved, who saved Torah. Anyway, Rebbe Omer. What is a good straight path in which a person should pursue? Something that brings glory or honor, or beauty to the person who does it, as well as from other people. Now, Rebbe's asking an interesting question. There are times that you know what to do. What should I do? So, okay, you should eat matzah at this time, on this date. You should do this. You should not do that. Halakha is very clear. But a lot of times, the reality of life is that it's not clear what I should do in this situation. I have competing values. The choice between a value and a non-value, that's easy. The choice between a value and a value, that's a clash. How do I know what to pick? And he gives us a rule of thumb that is really quite, I think, quite deep, which is ask yourself, is this something that's going to bring good to me and also would be seen well by others? If it's something that I say, oh, I got to do this, it'll bring good to me, but other people would look askance at it, maybe I don't belong doing it. And if other people would look at it, and they say, oh, well, this is popular, nah, but it's not good for me. If this is ultimately, I think, a good thing, appropriate thing for me, and others would see it well, that's a pretty good rule of thumb to know that what you're doing is the right thing. Be just as careful with a light mitzvah as a stringent or heavy mitzvah. Because you don't really know the value of a mitzvah, and there are different ways that this is explained. One is that we're not generally told. What is a greater mitzvah? What is a lesser mitzvah? We have to figure it out. The Ramam has an idea. You can look if a mitzvah is repeated, if a mitzvah has a serious penalty. Maybe those are signs 
of what makes for a serious mitzvah. Um, but we don't really know. Another possibility that's offered is we don't know because it depends on the person. What is a great mitzvah for me may be a minor mitzvah for you. What is a minor mitzvah for you may be a great mitzvah for me based on how difficult these things are. We'll have a later Mishnah that will say that the Fumsara Agra, that one gets greater reward based on the, the struggle involved in doing the mitzvah with the pain involved. So I may have a very difficult time doing something that for you would be quite easy. But that makes it a big mitzvah for me. And you may have difficulty doing something that's very easy for me. That would be a great mitzvah for you. Alternatively, based on the situation. This may be a great mitzvah now because that is what is needed. And a lesser mitzvah in a different time. And so on and so forth. And Rebbe gives advice. The heavy mechashiv, hefseid mitzvah, keneged tzcharu, tzcharavir, keneged hefseidah. Ask yourself, what am, I, what am I doing here? What's it going to cost me and what will I gain? If the mitzvah is going to cost me, let's say, a little money, but I'm going to get a mitzvah out of it, how much more is that worth? Then the money, which will come and go, I could spend that money in a few minutes, eat some food, and it's gone. But the mitzvah is forever, and it's, it's wow, look at that. Uh, or vice versa. How much benefit will I gain by doing something wrong? And then it'll be over. And what if, what's the price it's going to cost me? So try to match those two against one another. The, the value of the loss of the mitzvah, what you're losing to get it versus what it's worth. And the value and the, the, what it costs you, what you, what you gain seemingly from the transgression versus what you're going to lose because of it. Think, focus on these three things and you will not come to sin, says Rabbi. Know what's above you. Ayin roeh. There is a watchful eye. Don't think that what you do is not seen. Don't think that Hashem doesn't hear what we say. And all your deeds are being written in a book. We happen to live in a generation where this is more real than ever. For, for millennia, it was conceptual and this sort of ethereal concept that somehow a God I can't see is listening and watching. Well, we know nowadays anything you do could be on camera. Anything you do could get overheard by a mic and recorded and sent around the world. And everything is being written down and recorded and becomes a part of history because there's media everywhere. And uh, it's a good reminder to be careful and thoughtful about the way that one behaves.